Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Seifer, for the first time ever recording an episode outside because I recently found out that we're going to be moving in like three days. I knew that we were going to be moving sometime soon, but we got very late notice on the time that we will be moving. So my entire family right now is kind of in a rush moving stuff, and I want to help So I'm going to try and get this episode out of the way quick so I can help my family, you know, move boxes and everything. But they're moving a lot of stuff. And if I were recording this episode where I normally do in my room, you would hear a lot of big objects going up and downstairs that it would just make the episode a lot worse if I were to record inside again. So I'm recording outside and... I'm pretty excited to talk about this one because there were a few games that implied some very heavy themes that are probably going to carry out through the season, some of which will be proven wrong throughout the season. And I'm really excited to talk about it. We had a matchup between two of the best teams in the league. If you ask me, the one and two in terms of power rankings, the Rams and the Buccaneers, the two of them played against each other. And the Rams didn't exactly mop the floor with them, but they won by a pretty decent margin. And after a win like that, are the Rams the teams to beat in the the team to beat in the NFL? I I personally think so, and I always have thought that they were the best team in the league. Ever since they got Matthew Stafford, they were my Super Bowl favorite. Because you get an offensive mastermind like Sean McVay. And then give him a quarterback that can make all the throws. And he's also incredibly smart, like Matthew Stafford, who has a lot of experience at this level. And then you have a Super Bowl team just like that. Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the league and one of the best offensive minds in the league today, if not the best offensive mind in the league. I think the mixture of him and Matthew Stafford didn't only work well on paper, but it's also working really well in action. I mean, I mean, you look at what Matthew Stafford's doing, he's making a case for MVP, and right now he's the favorite to win MVP. Him, him and Brady over the past two years have proved veteran quarterbacks, ha- their careers can last longer if they just switch teams. Which, no one thought that that couldn't happen, but they proved you could be a legitimate contender only having one offseason to adapt to an entirely new scheme. Uh, Stafford is doing some great things with this Rams team. Absolutely amazing. And it seems like Cooper Cup and him are going to be the next big wide receiver duo. In 2018, we had Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes who put up some incredible numbers together. Drew Brees and Michael Thomas in 2019. Michael Thomas broke the single-season reception record, and Drew Brees was just incredibly accurate that entire season. And then in 2020, we had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams was a big reason that Aaron Rodgers was able to win MVP last year. And I think in 2021, that duo is going to be Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. At this point... They definitely are, and if they keep it up, they've been putting up some incredible numbers together. Cooper Cup is just such a 
good route runner. And he's just an extremely well-rounded and reliable receiver. Then they also have Robert Woods, who's extremely versatile and a great guy after the catch. Van Jefferson is another great route runner for the team who can really do anything that you want from a receiver because he has such a wide skill set. And then they also have the veteran Deshaun Jackson, who's an extremely speedy deep threat, even at his age, that can be a true X-factor for this offense. His ability to just make plays out of nowhere when you least expect it is really going to escalate this team. When they need a big play, Deshaun Jackson is their guy, okay? Whenever he's on the field, defenses should be like, oh, right here they can hit a home run. Let's back up a little bit. Deshaun Jackson, even at his age, he can make some huge plays for this team. And as a defense, we should be worried. There were around three times early in the game that he got past the Buccaneers' entire secondary. And, of course, one of those times it led to a touchdown. And I I doubt he's going to be covered as softly in the future. Because after, after seeing what he can do, even at his age, and I keep emphasizing the point that he's so old, but that that's one of the main things that surprised me about this. When they signed Deshaun Jackson, I was like, oh yeah, a veteran for the team. He's not going to have a huge impact. I legitimately think he will be the biggest huge play threat for this team. I legitimately think so. His speed, his route running will lead to some massive plays deep down the field multiple times. Normally, when the Rams don't have a running game, the Rams' offense is stagnant, okay? In the past, it was. With Jared Goff, you know, you couldn't really rely on him if he didn't have play action, if the defense wasn't staying honest. But now with Matthew Stafford, a quarterback as talented and as smart as he is, they, they can function without a running game. This Rams team does not win that game against the Buccaneers with Jared Goff. But now with Matthew Stafford, they win that game by a decently sized margin. And winning that game, I believe, solidifies themselves as the best team in the league. And I haven't even got into their defense, which is also incredible. Last year was the best in the league. I'm not sure if it's the best in the league. This year, you can maybe make an argument. But it's still really, really good. Of course it's going to be good with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Like, how could a defense not be good with studs like that? But you would think after losing Brandon Staley, John Johnson, and Troy Hill, this defense would be a lot worse. Or at least that's what I thought. I still expected it to be one of the best in the league because, like I said, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, the defense is going to be great no matter what. But Brandon Staley was a big loss for this team. John Johnson, another huge loss. And Troy Hill was a very good slot cornerback. Losing those three, I thought, would have had a huge impact, and it really didn't. Raheem Morris was able to replace Brandon Staley pretty well. I I still like the defense a little bit more with Brandon Staley. But, you know, it's still a great defense. Even with those losses in the secondary, even with the loss of their defensive coordinator, it's still just phenomenal. 
And they they are such a better offensive team now that it doesn't really matter how good their defense is. As long as their defense is above average, this team is going to win games. Okay? But luckily for them, they don't just have an above average defense. They have a top three, top five defense in the league. All right? Possibly the best defense in the league. And then you mix that with an offense putting up the numbers that this offense is. It's amazing. And it's blasphemous to think that this team won't win the Super Bowl. And it's even more blasphemous to not consider this team the best in the league. And I think it's the best team in the league by a pretty wide margin. Uh, that Ram, that Buccaneers game proved it to me. Because the Buccaneers, I, I still think that they're a great team. The Rams just showed up and smoked them. I, I don't think the Rams are going to go undefeated. That's obviously not going to happen. They're going to have a loss to a team that they shouldn't. All right? It happened last year against the Jets, and I expect it to happen again. Not sure exactly which, which team, and especially in that division, they might lose a game to probably the 49ers, maybe the Seahawks, right? But I, I don't see this team getting many more than three losses all year. The team's great. It's great. Matthew Stafford, he he's the favorite for MVP for a reason. He has all the talent. Some people were saying that the trade wouldn't work that well for them and that they were just giving away their future again. Seems like it was worth it to me. Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback with the best offense he ever had around him, with the best head coach he ever had around him, with the best defense he ever had around him. He never had a situation like this before, and now that he does, probably going to win MVP. Now, let's move over to a team that isn't even close to the Rams, a team that has been struggling all season, and a lot of people expected it. The New York Jets, all right? I've been trying not to talk about them too much recently, you know, because I kind of wanted to wait. I wanted to give Zach Wilson some time. I talked about them last week and how I actually gave Zach Wilson credit despite a terrible game against the Patriots. But, I mean, there's not much, there's nothing I can really do to defend this team anymore, okay? I, I still think Zach Wilson's going to be an incredible quarterback. But it will take a lot longer with how bad this team is playing. Especially the offense. Especially the offense. I didn't expect this Jets team to be great. I didn't have high expectations for them. Expected them to have five wins. You know, not many. And I I, I at least expected improvement. And they proved me wrong. Or at least to this point. They proved me wrong because they look terrible. They somehow look worse. You know it's bad when you see some Jets fans asking for Adam Gaze to come back. And yes, there have been people on Twitter. Uh, personally, I don't agree. I like Robert Sala, even though he hasn't done a very good job so far. I still think you give him some time and he's going to be able to treat this Jets defense like he did the 49ers defense and their defense will be a lot better when he finally gets the hang of this entire head coaching thing. But the offense is the problem. The offense is a major, major problem. The defense isn't great, but the offense is way worse. All right? And who do you blame for this? Do you blame Zach Wilson? 
He's a rookie. I find it hard to. He has the talent. He very clearly has the talent to play quarterback at an NFL level. I believe that Michael LaFleur is the one to blame, personally. Is Now, is the receiver core playing great? No. Is the offensive line playing great? No. Zach Wilson isn't playing great, although I expect him to get better. And I expect the offensive line to get better when Mekhi Becton's healthy. And Elijah Vera Tucker has more time to develop. And I expect the receiver core to get better. When Denzel Mims starts to get more reps on the field, you're going to see. He's a monster. He was one of the biggest steals of that 2020 draft. That's what he's going to prove. I think Denzel Mims can be a real threat to any defense. He just needs to get the playing time and prove it to the coaches. But, yeah, Mike LaFleur. I want to start by talking about him and how he hasn't helped the team really at all. The play action... Coming from, you know, the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, he was the passing game coordinator there, play action was going to have a heavy emphasis on this team, all right? It was supposed to be the bread and butter of their offense. You know, when they do play action, it's going to work. Maybe they weren't going to be the best, you know, drop back passing, but when they do play action, they're going to have some huge gains, right? That's what everyone thought. But no, they have not been very successful off play action. They've not been a very good team. When Zach Wilson, you know, fakes the ball to the running back, takes a bootleg, throws it, they haven't been that good. And that's a bad sign because Mike LaFleur, that was his main thing with the 49ers. That was their main passing concept. Really, anything off play action for the 49ers, it worked 99% of the time. Now, with the Jets, not going that way at all. It's been really, really bad. All right, really bad. The offense has been horrible. Horrible. Six point seven points. That's how many. That's how many points per game they average right now. Six point seven. Some teams get more than that in one possession. It's possible to get more than that in one possession in one drive. Most teams get more points in one drive than the Jets get in an entire game, or average in an entire game. 6.7, that's really bad. That, that, (laughs) there's no defending that, all right? And I think a lot of the blame goes on the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, who hasn't ran the ball much. He's been heavily reliant on Zach Wilson, who, like I said, hasn't played all that well, although I expect him to get better. He has not been good enough for the Jets to be passing the ball 40 times, 30 times a game. All right, He hasn't been good enough. The only time where they should be throwing the ball a lot is if they're in a high-scoring game. It doesn't make sense that, they're only, that they only ran the ball 13 times last week. All right. They yes, they were playing from behind. But if you want the play action to work, run the ball more. Michael Carter's a good running back. Kevin Coleman's pretty solid. All right. There's no reason to only have 13 carries. 13 runs the entire game. And I think the main problem with their running game is not even how little they use it, but how basic it is. 
they should throw in some trap concepts, some, you know, screens, just something like that to, you know, just get the ball out of Zach Wilson's hands. Just have someone else make the plays. Don't completely rely on this quarterback out of BYU of all places. Right? He should not be the guy for the offense yet. Maybe in the future, but not yet. I keep emphasizing that because I want you to understand. Zach Wilson, his ceiling is way, way up there. If he can reach that ceiling, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But the problem is he's not there yet. He's not at that level yet, and it will take time. He's a raw prospect. And the offensive line, too, has been horrible. Horrible. Of course, Makai Becton's hurt. Elijah Vera Tucker's really young, you know, only his third game, yeah. But Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roden, they've been... It is a crime to have them blocking for your young quarterback because they are so bad... It is a threat to Zach Wilson's health to have those two blocking for him because they are horrible. Atrocious. And then the receivers, they're not all that great. They have not been very good. Corey Davis had like three terrible drops against the Broncos last week. You know, uh, Denzel Mims, he hasn't really seen the field much. Elijah Moore, he was really hyped up. He hasn't done much. The, the The entire offense, really, has just been terrible. And the defense isn't great either. Don't get me wrong. But I think you could still, like, compete with other NFL teams with that defense, all right? The offense, it is by far the worst in the NFL. By far. The offense is super bad. Scoring zero, zero to... 26 nothing in that Browns game or Broncos game. That was terrible. That might have been one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen in an NFL game. They have to be able to compete. You can't be getting 6.7 points per game. That's how you get people fired. That's how you get people cut. Whether the problem is Michael Floor, the offensive line, the receivers, all three, which is what I believe, or maybe even Zach Wilson, maybe he's not ready yet. Sign a veteran quarterback in free agency, maybe Cam Newton, and then just rock with him for the rest of the year. If that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. But I do not want to see a coach like Robert Sala, who has a lot of promise as a young coach, get fired because... The offense is terrible. He's a defensive-minded guy. He should not be taking too much of the blame for this. If you want to blame it on a coach, blame it on LaFleur, who has done a terrible job designing this offense, if you ask me. Now, let's move over to one of the more important games and a game that had a lot of themes and... There was a lot of drama in it because of what we expect from this Chiefs team. We've all been seeing them as, oh, you know, best team in the league, one of the best teams in the league, Super Bowl contenders. They're the last in the AFC West right now. That's not good, obviously. They have a losing record right now. 
keep in mind, like, after this year, they're going to be paying Mahomes a lot of money. And it's going to be a huge cap hit. Their Super Bowl window is closing, all right? If they can at least contend this year, I can't imagine how they're going to do after this year. Let's start by talking about why I believe the Chiefs lost this game and what are their main problems. Their defense needs to step up. Their their running defense allowed the most rushing yards per game so far this year with 160.3. And they allowed... (coughs) Sorry about that. They allowed touchdowns on 12 out of the last 13 trips inside the 20-yard line. So whenever a team gets into the red zone except once against the Chiefs defense, they've scored a touchdown. The red zone defense is terrible. Chris Jones, it's been very clear to me, and I'm surprised I don't see many other people talking about it. Chris Jones should not be playing defensive end. He has not been able to do what he does. He's not been the game-wrecking force that he was in the interior when he's on the edge. Against the Ravens, it was clear. He didn't know how to, you know, contain against the quarterback option. And that hurt them a lot. They probably would have won that game if they had a more disciplined defensive end. He He's just not the pass rusher. He doesn't have the impact on the defense that he would as an interior guy. I don't even know why they changed him, really. He, he hasn't gotten a sack yet. And especially in that Chargers game, he was a nut. He did not have an impact on that game whatsoever. And to have a player that has been the star of your defense, like Chris Jones, just randomly stop helping, your defense is going to heavily decline. And the, the Chiefs, I can't believe I'm saying this. I never thought that I would be saying this, but the Chiefs need more playmakers on offense. I never thought that I would be saying this, especially going into the season. They have Travis Kelsey. They have Tyreek Hill. How could you need more than that? Those are two of the best offensive weapons in the league. Well, Tyreek Hill has done nothing in the last two games. He has been a no-factor. Defense has somehow figured him out. Or at least that's what it looks like. When Tyreek Hill can't do anything, the offense is not, you know, it's not 2019 Super Bowl champion level. It's good, but it can't make up for the defense that isn't all that great. For the Chiefs to be a good team, they have to have an unreal offense. And they don't. When Tyreek Hill is getting shut down, locked down by rookie cornerbacks like Asante Samuel, the Chiefs' offense is still good, but it's not. It's not great. It's not good enough. It's not Super Bowl contending level team. Good. It's just not. Whether that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire needing to step up, whether the addition of Josh Gordon is going to help, whether McCall Hardman will have a breakout season, just one of these guys need to 
take their game to that next level and be a true playmaker when Tyreek Hill is, you know, not really really just being shadowed by the defense. They had Watkins, they had Sammy Watkins, and they were able to do a lot when Tyreek Hill was shut down because they had Sammy Watkins. But now he's on the Ravens, and they have Kelsey, but only two guys. Those are After that, it's what, McCall Hardman? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Like, there's not... They have two cream-of-the-cop... Cream of the crop offensive weapons. But there's a huge decline after that. They need depth. They don't need super talented players anymore. They need depth. They have the two guys that they could run the offense through. Mahomes can't do much when he has no one to throw the ball to. McCall Hardman clearly isn't that guy. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he may be one of the worst starting running backs in the league. He he sold against the Chargers. Him fumbling that ball completely changed that game. And you know what? Let's turn it over to a more positive note. How about we talk about what the Chargers did right in this game? Which there's a lot of. The Chargers have impressed me a lot in this game because I was starting to get a little bit worried. They were they had a kind of slow start. I thought Herbert would have been a little bit better. I thought Eckler would have been a little bit better. I thought Keenan Allen would have been a little bit better. They weren't bad, but I expected them to be more than just a mediocre team. But they, they proved that they can be a good, good team. Beating a team like the Chiefs, even with those weaknesses that I just mentioned, is not an easy task. And the Chargers, they did it. Oh man, they did it. Let's start by talking about Mike Williams, who is a stud, a star. Him and Keenan Allen are one of the best receiving duos in the league, I think. I think that's well-known at this point. If he could stay healthy, this Chargers offense is going to be dominant. He had 122 receiving yards. Which is obviously incredible. And he's been putting up good numbers all year. And what really impressed me was their defense. Of course, Brandon Shelley, he's a defensive-minded guy. And this shows good coaching, if you ask me. If you ask me, how do I know which defenses ha- are well-coached and which ones just have a lot of talent, but it doesn't really click because they don't have the proper coaching? The difference between the well-coached defenses and the, eh, you know, you know they're good, but they could be better. The difference is the ability to capitalize off the offense's mistakes and make turnovers. The Giants' defense, we saw it against the Falcons. A very, very sad loss for them. But they had the opportunity to win that game. All that has to happen is Logan Ryan makes those picks. He dropped two. And then one other guy dropped a pick in the back of the end zone. They they tur- they get the turnover there. The game ends a completely different way, and the Giants have a win. But now they're on three because their defense couldn't capitalize off the offense's mistakes. The Chargers were able to do that here because they're a well-coached team. Brandon Staley's a good coach. And they were able to do it four times against a really good offense, okay? A really good offense. And, yeah, of course, it wasn't, it wasn't them, you know, 
making some incredible plays. And they got a little bit lucky, you know. Asante Samuel's interception, they got lucky that the ball bounced off the receiver's hands and kind of just landed in his lap. But some, you would be surprised, some teams just drop that ball because they don't expect it. When you have an instinctive player that's well-coached, those are the guys that make those interceptions. And they also forced a fumble against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Great play. And that also completely turned the to- turned the tides of that game. You will not beat a team like the Chiefs if you don't get turnovers. The Chargers were able to get turnovers, and that's what allowed them to win this game. And the my biggest takeaway from this game is that Justin Herbert is... You can make an argument he is, but I would say he's really, really close to being an elite quarterback. Really close. I mean, the choice to go for it at the end of that game, instead of kicking a chip shot field goal, tells you how confident they are in him. Because they could have just kicked the ball. They could have. But they chose not to. Because they are confident that Justin Herbert is that guy. They are more confident that he's going to convert on fourth down or on third down. I'm not sure what down it was. But they're more confident that he's going to convert and get a first down than they are in the kicker's ability to make a chip shot field goal. Says a lot. Says a lot about how they think of Justin Herbert and how they think of this defense, too, because they still Mahomes still had time in the clock on the clock to make that comeback. It says a lot about this team that they were able to beat this incredible Chiefs team. And it says a lot about the Chiefs that they lost to a pretty good Chargers team. I I think this is one of the most important games for both of these teams of the entire season. And I'm extremely interested to see how both of these teams are moving forward. You're listening to the Goal Line Podcast, and we'll be back right after this break. And we are back. I'm your host, Patrick Seifer, also known as No Huddle NFL, on both Instagram and TikTok. That is No Huddle NFL, with no capitals or spaces. Now, I want to continue by talking about a team that is very close to me. I used to be a Steelers fan. Now I consider myself more of a football fan. Uh, say what you want about that. But really what I'm trying to say is that being a Steelers fan was too painful for me to want to continue doing it. So now I just consider myself a football fan and kind of follow every team, really. But this Steelers team, man, not that good. Not as good as we thought they were going to be after that win against the Bills. Now, I did not buy into the optimism, all right? Because I knew, after years of watching Steelers football, I know we will beat one of the best teams in the league one day. But the next week, we will lose to one of the worst teams in the league. We'll beat the Buccaneers one day. Then the next, we'll lose to the Jets. For example, and this is obviously based off what happened earlier this year. We beat the Bills one week. Then next week, we lost to the Raiders. And then how do you bounce back from a loss to the Raiders? 
You outdo yourself. Play down to your competition and then lose to the Bengals instead. That's the epitome of Steelers football, or at least recently, under Mike Tomlin. I think he's a good coach, but one thing that he does way too much, he allows this Steelers football team to play way down to their competition. And it it will hurt them. Big Ben looked like one of the worst, if not the worst, starting quarterback in the NFL. Simple as that. He looked terrible. Horrible. He's the reason that we lost that game. If he didn't turn the ball over twice and gave the Bengals amazing field position both of those times and allowed them to score, we win this. the Steelers win this game. The Bengals really only had one like big drive where they got into the end zone. The rest were just capitalizing off the Steelers' terrible mistakes on offense. Because they aren't good on offense at all. They have a well-rounded receiver core. That's about it. They have a good running back, but it doesn't matter. Their offensive line is so bad. And the quarterback, I mean, Big Ben, he shouldn't have came back for another year. As much as it pains me to say it, as someone who has grew up watching Ben Roethlisberger, he should have retired last offseason. He looked... Horrible against the Bengals. Horrible. After a pretty bad year last year, despite what the numbers say, if you actually watched the games, you would know he did not look very good. He needs to realize at this point of his career, he cannot be anything more than a game manager. He can't sling the ball downfield anymore. He can't really improvise. He should really just check the ball down to Najee Harris and let him do the rest. We should get most of our yards after the catch, although that leads to us being an extremely one-dimensional offense like last year. I'd rather that than have no offense at all. The offensive line is so bad. We can't run the ball with our first-round pick running back, who is an absolute stud generational talent, by the way. We can't do anything with him because when we run the ball... He doesn't have anywhere to run. It is terrible to watch this team. And it sucks because our defense is so good. It's not even like we're we're such a bad team. It's wasted potential. Because this defense is one of the best in the league. Even without TJ Watt, I still think we played pretty well, all things considered, because we gave them really good field position. Even without TJ Watt... Their defense is amazing. But it's not good enough to carry our terrible offense. Unless TJ Watt is there, then we could still win games. But TJ Watt wasn't healthy. And the the streak, for those of you that are Steelers fans, you know what I'm talking about. The streak of games in which we had a sack, which we had the longest running streak of games with a sack in NFL history, it ended. Finally. It's the longest in NFL history, and it's over. Because the Bengals somehow outplayed the Pittsburgh Steelers. It hurts for those words to come out of my mouth, but the Steelers didn't play like a good team. 
They didn't play like the team they were last year. They didn't play like the team we all, everyone expects the Steelers to be. When you think Steelers football, you do not think of a bad team. You think of a tough, gritty football team that will be able to consistently win games against bad teams. They don't do that. The games that should be gimmies, the Steelers keep them close, sometimes even losing them. This week was an example. Now, I want to end this one by talking about a matchup that so many people are excited for. Most people believe that this is the most interesting matchup of the entire year, and I agree because of the story behind it. Tom Brady returning to his former home in New England. I I mean, this game give, gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. I, I'm super excited to see this. Now, the Buccaneers, what do they have to do to win? They're the more talented team. It's really, if they keep doing what they're been doing for this entire year, they are most likely going to win this game. But they have to expect the unexpected. Bill Belichick is going to pull some tricks on Brady. He's going to do some weird things because he knows how to get Tom Brady off rhythm. And Tom Brady has to be ready for that. He has to be ready. Oh, okay, Belichick wants me to make this throw, so I'm just going to take the safe throw that Belichick doesn't want me taking. I'm just going to check it down to Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, yada, yada, Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard. If he... just. Tom Brady should not really trust his eyes. He should just take the easy throws. Because Belichick is going to bait him into some throws he shouldn't make. He's going to make him think this guy's open when he actually isn't. He's going to make him want to think, want to throw to Chris Godwin. And then to Brady, it's going to look wide open. But, oh, here comes Kyle Van Noy picking it off. You didn't see it because you're not used to this type of coverage. Or you did see it, but, you know, it didn't really process in your head because Belichick knows you. Belichick knows what you want, and he's going to do whatever he can to eliminate that or bait you into thinking that he could do what he wants, that Brady can do what he wants, just so he could, you know, get a pick off of it and, you know, make a turnover because Brady believes something that he likes to throw to is open when it actually isn't. Basically, Belichick is going to do one of two things. He's either going to take Brady out of his comfort zone or he's going to make Brady think the things he always likes to do, like checking the ball down, are open when they actually aren't. That's how it's going to be. Belichick knows how to beat Brady. We all don't know how to beat Brady. If it is possible to beat this Buccaneers team with this Patriots team, Belichick is going to make it happen. And if it's not possible, then the Patriots aren't going to win this game. The Buccaneers are the more talented team, all right? They just have to not fall for whatever tricks Bill Belichick is going to have. What about for the Patriots to win? I just said. They're going to have to take Brady out of his comfort zone or 
make him believe he could keep doing the old reliable plays, checking the ball down to the running backs, everything like that. But actually, it's not the smart idea. And here comes a defender out of nowhere. Brady didn't see it coming. And there's a pick. Those are the only two approaches that they're going to have to take on defense. Now, what about offense? Mac Jones is just going to have to execute. It's going to depend on Mac Jones today, or in this game, on Sunday night. Right? It's all going to depend on him. It's all going to be on his shoulders. Because they are not going to be able to win this game running the ball. It's not going to happen. Damian Harris, he's a good running back, yeah. But this Buccaneers running game, or running defense, you, Damian Harris isn't good enough to rush on them. They're going to have to win it through the air. Not with deep shots down the field, because you're probably not going to get those, especially with their addition of Richard Sherman. Their secondary is a lot better. Is it great? No. But they don't really have the best wide receivers. They need to march up fields, get good drives, using play calls that, you know, Mac Jones likes. It doesn't have to be deep balls down the field. It could just be five-yard hitch. You know, just easy throws. As long as they attr- as long as long they get yards and get up the field and score points, they should win this game. It just has to be through the air because they are not going to be able to do stuff running the ball. It's that simple. Of course, do I make it sound simpler than it actually is? Yes. But in a, in a vacuum, Mac Jones, throw the ball a lot, be efficient, and get the Patriots some long drives going. Keep the defense off the field without the running game. Now, as for fans, all right, be prepared for some narratives, all right? If the Buccaneers win this game, get prepared for a, for a couple headlines of, oh, Brady carried Belichick? If the Patriots win this game, get ready for a couple headlines. Oh, Belichick carried Brady? Neither of those are true. It was a combined effort for both of them. In order for them to get those six rings, it was a combined effort. It wasn't just one of them. No matter what anyone tries to tell you after Sunday night, none of those things are true. It was both of them that contributed to that dynasty. Just, I, I just wanted to end the podcast and make sure that you were all aware. There's going to be some stupid headlines. Don't buy into them. Don't even give them a click. It's a waste of time. This was the Goal Line Podcast, and I'll see you guys next week.